I think men take a larger toll on us than we're prepared to admit. And whilst we live in a culture that tells us that we need to prioritise romance and you just never know when you're going to find the love of your life, I think that that desperation that we're all led to feed into does hinder us, especially if in a rush to meet this image of the desired fairy tale romance that you've got with a guy you miss certain things and when you start to experience the consequences of the decision you made in such a hurry it just takes so much out of you I think heartbreak is harder to deal with than most people are prepared to admit and I would go as far far as saying that my fear of heartbreak is what motivates me to be a lot more discerning and careful and quite strict with the decisions I make in the realm of dating men because heartbreak is very expensive. It's not just an emotional toll that's taken on you because it's like once you're in a wobbly place emotionally, if you are the sole provider of your life, aka you're an independent woman like me who makes her own money and keeps this whole shit running by myself... Once you are emotionally impacted, that can affect your output. That can affect your work rate. That can affect your motivation to get up and do the thing you need to do to go get your money. And that's way too crucial. Like The stakes is way too high to just be engaging in these dynamics with men when there's so much to lose. And I think the willingness to just jump into that spontaneity makes me so anxious when I see people doing it and there have been times when I've nearly made a bad decision well I say bad decision that's a bit of a reach I will say there have been times when I've nearly made an expensive decision even though it didn't involve me spending any money but it was more just knowing that for example there was a guy that I had recently met and he was love bombing me Uh, love bombing isn't just gifts (laughs) he was love bombing me by doing this thing where you know when guys like start to talk about the future and they're including you in the future whether it's them saying that we should travel together we should totally do xyz together oh my god you and my sister would get along so well it's like that whole future weaving thing i think that's a strand of love bombing um especially if it's happening during a time when you've just met the guy and you already have this too good to be true feeling that's like murmuring in the back of your mind. Usually that's a sign. And I've experienced that with a guy recently where he was, this guy, I had only known him for all of, I want to say 72 hours. And he was already asking me to come to his home country with him. This guy had money, though. He would have been able to afford to pull the whole thing together. But what made me feel a bit funny about it was while he was being all love bomby in that whole sense of, like, weaving me into moments in the future that would involve us having these really exhilarating experiences, it still felt like... I'm not sure, though, because you're asking me to come travel with you, but you've ghosted me for a week. So does that mean that if I was to travel with you, you can just like ignore me in the country that I'm your guest in? Like, I don't know about that. 
And I sometimes think, I'm so glad that things ended with that guy. I mean, things didn't even go anywhere for them to end. But what I mean is that I essentially kind of slowly detached myself from him as he was doing the same with me. Once I noticed that he was pulling away, I took my things, picked up my bag Viola Davis style and just kept it moving. (laughs) The full thing has got to a place where there was enough investment for me to start feeling like, is this a breakup? Is this heartbreak? Should I be recovering? Mm. And I'm grateful that I cut my losses and dipped because the disappointment and the slight embarrassment, I'll say I felt a bit embarrassed because I actually like, I didn't say yes to traveling with him, but I didn't say no either. Like I was entertaining the delusions he was trying to plant, but I didn't entertain the delusions long enough for him to touch me or for things to go where he wanted them to. But I still felt a bit goofy in hindsight. Like looking back, I feel like, oh my God, that was really goofy of me to even have been believing that he was actually going to see that through if at all that would have happened, being the trip that he was suggesting that we go to together. And... When I think about the past version of myself who wasn't as discerning as I am now, I think about, wow, I, what if I had continued to just like stay close to this guy and allow him to be in my orbit? What if when I was picking up on him pulling away, I started doing the thing that I would normally do back then as someone that used to be quite anxious, preoccupied in my attachment style? I probably would have at the time started seeking more closeness when I'd feel him pulling away probably would have found myself being a bit more clingy and feeling a bit insecure at the idea of him popping up out of nowhere in my life and bringing all this wonder and vibes and laughter and goodness and the potential for us to travel together and suddenly feeling rejected and disappointed by him not keeping that same energy two or three days later down the line or even weeks later down the line and I think when it comes to men having an emotional toll on us, like the feeling, it feels like erosion. It feels like, do you know what coastal erosion is? We learned this in geography back in secondary school. Well, I did anyway. <laughs> coastal erosion is what's happening in places in the world where, for example, there's a cliff face and it's facing the ocean. So anytime the water smacks onto those rocks, a little bit of that rock surface is like eroded each time because the water is basically like grinding away at the rocks so it means that if your house was built on that cliff edge in about 15 years time your house ain't going to be there anymore because the rock would have all eroded from the ocean smacking into it and it will crumble so in a similar sense I feel like that's how men drain us and deplete us of our energy through a process of erosion it's very slow because if they were to do it in one huge impact it wouldn't work we're too strong for that they know that the way in is in small little bits where they create this scenario and persona which is an exaggerated version of their self that is designed to entice you and then once they notice that you're comfortable and a little bit needier than you were when they first met you they will then start to pull away and you will be in a position where you're begging for attention and begging to be seen. And that's emotionally taxing, just like how it's emotionally taxing to get out of a relationship with a man that you was in one with for way too long. I have a friend who, she went through that 
where she was dating this guy and oh my goodness I think from the beginning things started out quite rocky but she convinced herself to stay um there was a point where she managed to I guess uh encourage him to go to therapy and he started going for a while but this is the thing she would say to me oh my god he's changed like he started you know he's managing his anger now and he's not being controlling anymore and I would always just feel a bit this was never anything that I'd express to her directly because I didn't want to come across as negative or like a hater or trying to inject doubt into her mind especially when her partner is exhibiting signs of trying to change but part of me would feel like I don't know if two weeks so far of therapy can fundamentally change the mental inner workings of a man who started out his relationship with you by being controlling and by using coercive behavioral tactics to get you to stay with him whether that would be him going through your phone or him taking away your phone or him locking you in with him in his flat and him like sitting on the key or something so you can't leave like all those kinds of like non-physical forms of coercion and abuse and then you know sometimes you get your hopes up as a woman when the guy who's doing all this to you is is you know, started therapy, um, and you tell yourself, this could change, this could get better, and then what happens when, later down the line, while he's still on his course of therapy, he leans back into those same behaviours, or he just comes up with these new behaviours that are still a form of the control and coercion that he's been exuding the whole relationship, and you find yourself staying for like three years longer, and you tell yourself he will change, and Maybe I just need to make more room and have some grace because he is currently getting help. And before you know it, you're emotionally eroded, bro. Like you're tired and you're now too weak to leave. So you just kind of stay in that. And for me now, I don't want to say this in a way that's going to come across as like cold or unsympathetic. But I do feel like when I come across women who from what they've described I'm hearing all the alarm bells that they are in an abusive relationship um I'm no longer in a hurry to try and like get them out of there because they're not going to move until they want to and all I can do especially if I'm friends with that woman all I can do is just remind her of her own power but do you know how many times oh my god in my 28 years of existing do you know how many times I have come across women friends at some point in my journey who have been with these really abusive guys and we will have like a three hour conversation on the phone where we discuss how she's going to leave, what she's going to do to, you know, prepare, whether it's a paragraph she wants to send him or a voice note or a phone call she wants to have where she's going to lay down exactly what it is that she wants to say before she leaves. We've done all of that prep. <laughs> And then we've even considered, you know, the post care of leaving. Because, you know, when, when someone leaves an abusive relationship, they can't be on their own. They need to be around their community of people that care for them, who will remind them why they had to leave, who will be there for them. Because it's really like leaving an abuser is so hard. Um, and it doesn't end at just leaving. 
But, you know, there's been times when we even discussed that, you know, what we're going to do to stay strong because he's going to try and do X, Y, Z. And I kid you not, after that whole three, four hour conversation, <laughs> you find out the person has gone back to their abuser. And it's a tricky one because as I get older, I'm learning to not hold judgment. I know that both people in that tumultuous dynamic are getting something out of it. Even if that's something they're getting is toxic, they're both getting something out of it. So me telling either person to leave is not going to be why they will leave. Usually I've seen in these situations, it has to get really, really, really bad or something terrible has to happen for there to be that separation. And all you can do as a friend, if you if you know someone who's going through what I'm describing, all you can do is just be there for them when they have finally felt ready to leave. That's it. No judgment. Just try and be there for them. Because, oh my goodness, as someone that has escaped, and I say escaped because it literally was an escape, as someone that has an escaped an abusive scenario myself, and I had to go through the aftercare, if you call it that, on my own, I know how valuable it is to have people in your life who will not judge you for having been in an abusive situation in the first place, but will rather just hold space for who you are now. And the focus is on building you back up to a place where you are not likely to go back because it's not the leaving that's hard it's staying out <laughs> it's so it's so tempting to go back especially when after a period of time because these people these men that take this emotional toll on us yeah especially in abusive scenarios they know that okay things have ended now they're going to give it like six months to a year and then they're going to come back whether it's for an email or they might send you a long-winded text message and somewhere in that communication there will be some sort of line or paragraph that expresses that they've changed and they can recognize how they treated you badly and they're sorry and that it they just feel so terrible that they have made you feel like that and it's quite interesting because for the most part when you receive that kind of return from an ex-abuser you probably feel like oh I kind of almost feel sorry for this person like wow they've really gone through a lot of thinking and life has opened them up to how hurtful they are to other people but my suspicion and my theory is that these people want you to feel sorry for them that's why they're telling you that they feel terrible <laughs> they want you to ease the terribleness that they're feeling because you feeling terrible has nothing to do with me like you feel terrible good for you very good you should feel terrible because what you did to me was terrible so I'm not really not I'm not really sure what to do with that information other than to just acknowledge it in my head I'm not replying to you <laughs> but what I want to say with this is that if we became more aware of just how high the stakes are when it comes to what damage men can do to our lives we would be a lot more careful I have watched countless documentaries of women who were superstars in the 80s and 90s and oftentimes you'll find that somewhere along the line a man came into their life and either introduced that woman to drugs when she was in a place in her life where she was already feeling quite low or that man started beating her or that man even started encouraging her to start declining certain jobs because those jobs involved her being sexy and interacting with other men and that would make the man who is making her decline these jobs feel inferior and insecure and I just wish more women 
would just keep their eyes really, really wide open when <laughs> when interacting with men who want to be with you because a lot of these men just want to downsize you to meet their own desires. And I think what's also really scary is that these men don't feel bad when they're doing what they're doing. I think about women like Whitney Houston, who unfortunately was in a place in her life where she didn't really feel beautiful, even though the world was telling her that she was divine and gorgeous and she was battling so much. She's a Pisces as well. So I know that that shit was really affecting her. And as a Pisces, when you are going through a really tumultuous emotional experience, you are amongst the signs of the Zodiac. I think Pisces people are the most likely to fall into drug issues. Um, and what that sentiment is backed by is in astrology, the planet Neptune rules over Pisces, the astrological sign. And Neptune rules over drug abuse. Um, and so unfortunately, if you're somebody who is in a very, very sensitive place, you have to be so protective of yourself. And I think about women like Whitney Houston, who unfortunately, a man came into her life and enabled the drug use. And it unfortunately got to a stage where it was beyond controllable. And what hurts a lot when I think about women like that is they had so much life to live and they had so much to give and they were giving a lot to these men and barely getting anything in return. And that's why when you are a woman who is successful on her own terms and is independent, you have a responsibility to even to be even more careful and be even more vigilant about what kind of men you pick. Because as much as we really prioritise the idea that modern feminism is about being independent and getting your own money, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't live within a community of people that care about you. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't get help. It doesn't mean that you don't deserve support. I don't even believe there's such thing as too much support, especially if you're a woman who is living an independent life. Like for me, the fact that I am independent and able to get my own money is the more reason why I'm able to flex and exercise my choice because I can walk away from whatever man even if the guy's a millionaire I'm not a millionaire myself but I can walk away from a millionaire and I have done in the past purely because I wasn't receiving the treatment I wanted but if I was in a position financially where I was dependent on a man then I might not feel as strong to walk away because I would tell myself that he's the only option I have for survival and what if I never meet another man like that so I think within modern feminism, I think where the current wave of feminism is failing us is that we're conflating independence with taking care of men. And I don't think these men deserve to be taken care of, if I put things quite bluntly. And when I say that, I'm not saying that you shouldn't love the men in your life. What I am saying is that I don't think men deserve for us to dip it, dip into our own limited resources that we've had to work multiple times harder to obtain and start using said resources to keep these men alive and to focus on nurturing these men into the version that we want to see and that we would feel turned on by being with because there is no guarantee that that man is going to pull back into you and 
nine times out of ten, as we have seen in the unfortunate tragic stories of women who have come before us, whether those stories have been documented in lifetime documentaries or we've heard these stories from hearsay within the family, it's usually the case that these women give their lives to loving men and they get nothing in return. And I don't want that for me. <laughs> I want a life for myself where... I'm making my own money and I'm spending it on what I want to spend it on. And if I am going to be with a man, I'm spending his money too. And it's a, <laughs> it's a happy world for both of us because he has enough resources on his own accord to not feel a type of way about me spending his resources. And I have my own resources, enough to be able to walk away if I don't like what I'm feeling or seeing anymore. But equally speaking, I have enough of my own to not have to rely on someone and... Aside from being financially independent, what about emotional independence as well? And I think, you know, what's tricky is that there is that fear of becoming that person who's hyper independent and doesn't need anyone. I'm not saying you should be like that, but I am saying that there is value in being able to not just regulate your own emotions, but knowing how to exist without a guy. Because when you really consider the risks involved in welcoming a man into your life when you have so much going for you, you have your youth, you have your career, you have people in your life who love you and there are men who will see that and prey on that. You have a responsibility to be extra vigilant, extra careful and extra picky. And you know what? The pickiness will not kill anybody, but your lack of pickiness might actually have a material impact and harm on your life. And you just won't know until you're presented with a scenario where you think, oh my God, what have I let into these floodgates? <laughs> All I can say is, don't let it be you. Don't let yourself become that that cliff. You know them white cliffs of Dover <laughs> that are currently being eroded by the ocean as we speak? Don't let yourself build a house on a cliff, aka a man, and then one day that cliff is eroded and your house collapses because you didn't build on a stable foundation. Let yourself build on something that you know is sturdy and that is on the mainland <laughs> and is far from any kind of risk because that person has proven their devotion time and time again in other areas of your life. That is what you deserve and it is possible. It can happen for you. <laughs>